So the Washington Post has uh, written about a wild, if not scary, investigation. It's uncovered about these military-grade spyware licenses by an Israeli firm sold to authoritarian governments around the world on the premise that they can use them to track terrorists and criminals. But instead, the spyware has been used to hack into 37 smartphones of anything from American journalists, human rights activists, diplomats, business executives. It was also used to hack into the devices of two women closely tied to murdered journalist Jamal Khashoggi. It's not really known why those who were targeted were targeted or exactly who was targeted, but the case certainly brings attention to an area of the technical world that seems, by appearances, like it's a Wild West with very few rules on how spyware is used and policed. Ed Dubrowski is a managing partner of Cytelligence Canada, also the executive cyber advisor to the award-winning QNEX Corp. He joins us now. Good to have you, Ed. Great to be back. It's called Pegasus Spyware. So this is developed by an Israeli company, and it's, uh, I guess, a leader in this particular area. And it's licensed to governments around the world. But in this case, it's been used to infect phones that belong. Like, you read the list of who who's on it. They, they targeted Arab royalty, journalists, prime ministers, cabinet ministers, heads of state, and a lot of journalists who are foreign correspondents for all the major news outlets. How does this happen? So here's the thing. So let's take a little bit of a step back, first of all, because because this is a very interesting story that actually um, brings to light uh, a lot of the concepts in what we consider cybersecurity today and actually many of the services being delivered in the market. Um, we have to remember that there's almost uh, two uh, two kind of camps uh, fighting each other in a way. Uh, one camp is the bad guys, or at least how the good guys are considering this other side. And obviously there's the good guys. Now this, this concept of good and bad changes depending on who you are, right? Obviously, if you are in Russia, potentially anybody in the US is the bad guy and vice versa if you're in the US, the, the Russians are the bad guys, for example. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the situation that happens here is that this particular company, and by the way, this company, I, I believe they, um, that they were making about $150 million or $200 million uh, worth of revenues in 2019, 2020, and so on. Uh, so this is not a company that is uh, creating something that is to to a very small market, obviously. Uh, they're, they're looking to sell this particular product that provides certain capabilities. And certainly, mm -hmm. like any any kind of a, uh, a weapon, uh, it could be used for defense, for good, mm -hmm. or for bad uh, agenda. And, and what's happening here is that this is coming to light because certain organizations that purchase this capability have used it in such a way that we see this as potentially falling into the the realm of, well, it's not quite good. Why were you doing this? But the company right. that was making this tool, um, when it's used properly, potentially could save a lot of lives, could provide right. uh, with a lot of intelligence to intelligence agencies that need this intelligence, right? Need those capabilities. 
The other thing, right? Because because that, as I understand, and yeah. and sorry for interrupting, but as I understand, I mean the phone, the, the the spyware itself is developed for governments to go after the bad guys. It's just when it gets into the wrong hands, clearly this can be a very dangerous technology. And I think it's because it's such a wild west. It's not. It doesn't seem to be very regulated. Uh, absolutely, but also remember that this spyware is just a piece of software, essentially, that allows organizations such as intelligence agencies to potentially tap into other computers. And these computers on the other side are actually just mobile devices, smartphones, mm-hmm. and so on. We, we, we shouldn't forget that although it looks like a phone, it's actually a, a very powerful computer. And all pieces of software have bugs in them. They, they have certain gaps and problems because humans build them and humans make mistakes and, and so on and so forth. So this company, NSO, they essentially found certain capabilities or bugs that they could exploit in these mobile devices, pieces of software, essentially, right? Just because they marketed that particular product doesn't mean that there is no other company out there, for good or for mm-hmm. bad, doing exactly the same thing, right? right. So, so we, we need to remember that these things could potentially fall into the wrong hands because it's just a piece of software. And sometimes these these software could be copied, could be recreated, or could be stolen and given to other regimes. And by the way, the the interesting piece about NSO is that in Israel, the Israeli government treats this particular Pegasus, uh, let's call it product, um, Mm -hmm. that particular product is actually treated as a weapon so it's mm. a controlled uh, export, uh, falls under the, the controlled export regulation in Israel. So, so in other words, it's, it's not likely that this particular company, again, a $150 million company, was selling this to whoever was knocking on their door. Right, More likely right, right. is that it was being sold to these, all these agencies, potentially uh, friendly, uh, and these agencies have decided to use those capabilities in certain ways is that per- perhaps this particular tool uh, or, or the creators of the tools weren't really expecting it to be used that way, right? So right. what is the fault yeah. here? Is it the intelligence agencies or is it the person that created this tool who's, by the way, likely um, structured on, on, on these software faults or bugs within the software that maybe Apple creates Google and Android and so on and so forth. And so, you know, n- not everybody is going to be a target of this, but certainly if someone wants information on, let's say, a journalist and or a high-profile politician or celebrity, and they get their hands on this, what is, is there a protection? Like, how do you, how do you not get hacked by something this advanced? Absolutely. That's a great question. And that actually goes back to zero trust because we see these devices, we go, we buy them, they're ours. Uh, and, and we almost feel um, like uh, be, because we own them, uh, nobody else has access into them. We, we keep on forgetting that these are computers, and like any other computer, uh, they can be attacked by ransomware and, and, and similar types of attacks. So we need to treat these devices with, with very much scrutiny in terms of how do, how do we defend and make sure that these devices are secure? Well, there's lots of other pieces of software and capabilities 
that could um, essentially add additional complexity to these devices to make them even harder to break into and changes them from almost a default state to a more complex state. And in cybersecurity, we have the concept of what we call layers. It's almost like an onion, right? We like to build cybersecurity programs so that they look like layers of onions. And as the bad guys are trying to kind of get in, we make them cry, right? This is kind uh, of a, a strange analogy, I know, but uh, ho- hopefully it resonates with everybody. So the, the, the layering aspect is very important. And at the same time, we need to remember, we cannot trust the fact that when somebody calls us that there is no, no tapping happening on that particular line because there's so many other components in the mix that the, the, the service provider, the people that give you the actual line and the phone number, your SIM card could potentially be uh, replicated. Uh, there could be listening devices uh, in your apartment or wherever you are. There could be people behind your, your back as you're talking or typing a password. So um, this concept of zero trust means you always need to Uh, remember as you're using computing devices that you want to you don't want to trust anything you want to make sure that you're taking um, as many steps in terms of encrypting your data in terms of making sure you know who you're sharing things with Uh, and when you're dialing somebody don't be a hundred percent certain that the person you're talking to on the other line is actually the person you're trying to reach. Many times we make a call, we don't even know who's on the other line because that may be the first call we're making. So is there a way to identify that person and say, okay, you're John Doe, can you prove that you're actually John Doe? Uh, uh, Is there something that you know and I know that can validate, right? And especially in intelligence circuits, uh, let's talk about spies. very important to make sure that the person you're communicating information to is actually the person that you need to be reaching because otherwise, uh, you know, you could be divulging information that you shouldn't be to somebody who's trying to uh, cause harm or steal this information and so on. So in other words, do everything opposite of what I do. Um, I say in jest. Ed, I appreciate you breaking it down. It's a fascinating story. And of course, we'll uh, chat again. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Alex. Have a great one. Ed, you too. That is Ed uh, Dabrowski, who's the managing partner over at Cytelligence. And so, hey, careful who you talk to, because it's probably not who you think.